Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Kicking off a new series uh, today, um, and so called uh, Foundational. And with that, we're looking at the stuff that goes into our foundation so that we can grow up into everything that God has for us. And so our lead-off idea is that our foundation is found in Christ. It's found in Christ. I, it's a wonderful thing that God sought us and that he is, Jesus came, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And praise God, the Holy Spirit has pursued you. If you're in relationship with God right now, it's not so much because you sought him, it's because he was seeking you and even stirred in your heart to begin to want to draw near to him. And so the, it's grace from first to last, he, he's at work in us. But once we step over from death into life and we're alive in Christ, now our role is to dig deeper into what we've now been brought into that we move forward and learn what all is found in Christ and who we are in Christ. But you're only going to find what you're looking for. You don't find things that you're not actually looking for. We tend to every once in a while stumble across something. But in general, man, you can just walk past the same old thing all the time, never notice it. And then all of a sudden, when now it, it's, it has meaning, well, now you begin to look for it and find it. When I go shopping with Cutie, and you walk into a department store, walk into some clothing store that's just racks upon racks. It's overwhelming. And I always tell her, man, give me something to look for. And she'll tell me, hey, I need you to find this, you know, red short sleeve blouse. I need that. That's what I'm looking for. Whether she wants that or not, she's like, give me something to, to look for. <laughs> and then all of a sudden now that store is not so overwhelming because all of a sudden I, things are popping out to me. Now I see a little glint of red on that rack. I see something stacked over here and be able to look at that and see if that is what I'm needing. And now because I'm looking for something, all of a sudden now there's, it, it, it shifts and then I can actually find something when I'm actually looking for something. And in our lives, we tend to kind of just try to make it from day to day. We've honestly, most of our society, most of us have just been in survival mode every, ever since the, the first COVID lockdown hit. As things have just kind of been opening up and contracting and, and we, we feel like maybe it's over the no, 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 this variant is coming along and it just feels like back and forth, back and forth. And we're just like, you know what? Not gonna make big plans because I don't know what's gonna happen in a couple of weeks. I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do that. And we just kind of are in maintenance mode and not really moving forward. And that's kind of just been the, the move of the day. But what we need to do is we need to, to begin to pursue again. We need to begin to look again. We need to begin to, to search again because guess what? We need to begin to, to grow again. We need to begin to grow our lives in Christ. Praise God for his sustaining presence. Praise God for his sustaining power. But it's time to begin to grow again and move forward again and dream again and plan again and all those different things again and be able to do that. And with that, we have to be have Jesus at the center. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of a mess, 
man, the, the, the mess is just overwhelming, and you don't really want to look. You don't really want to begin to look around. You just want out of your mess. You don't want to find something in the middle of the mess. You just want out of your mess. And so one of my favorite stories to tell on this, I've been telling it for years and years, my, my, my grandfather, so here's my first Sunday as, a, as being able to have held a grandchild, and now I get to tell a story on my, my grandfather. Here's my grandfather, my papa. Um, he got into all sorts of different predicaments through his, through his life. And there was a season where in Andrews, Texas, he worked for Andrews County. And as he did different jobs, whatever they needed going on, he ends up with a small crew. I think him and two other guys end up dealing with one of the properties that the county had. And they had a septic tank that got backed up. And somebody had to go deal with the backed up septic tank. And of course, if it's backed up, um, you know, it's not backed up with anything pleasant. You know, this is not anything you want to deal with when it's full to the top and overflowing. You don't want to be there, but somebody's got to go there. So my papa and a couple of other guys end up there. So they've got the lid off. It's everything you can imagine or don't want to imagine. It's, it's, that's what the scene was. And they're trying to figure out how to deal with this. For whatever reason, um, break time comes along, two guys leave, my grandfather's there by himself, and uh, somehow stumbles and falls into the septic tank. He falls in, open the lid, open what, and so as he falls in, uh, my grandfather was uh, five eight and three quarters inches tall. He always told us he was five eight and three quarters because he missed being a firefighter by a quarter of an inch. He had to be five nine to be able to be a firefighter. He missed being that by a quarter of an inch. And so his five eight and three quarter self, um, he throws his arms out um, to be able to catch himself as he is falling into this thing and catches himself right there, just past his wrists. And he's doing the old iron cross in the middle of the poop and so he's just there and with that he's holding himself up and he doesn't want to go all the way under nobody wants to go all the way under and so he's sitting there and he's stuck but now there's a problem you know you've been there where you've like held on to the side of the pool and the deep end and then you let go you know what happens you go down and then it comes up and he did not want to be nose deep in somebody else's mess and so he's just doing the iron cross and he's just holding but the, that septic tank it was made out of concrete and so in the middle of the mess in the middle of what you don't want to be you don't want to be looking for anything in there there's no treasure in there there ain't, any, there ain't anything anybody wants in there but in the middle of that spot he needed to find something to stand on he said that he was in the cesspool and he was looking for a toehold so he is digging around in there, holding himself out, just digging with his foot, looking for something uh, to be able to stand on. And sure enough, he finds a little chunk of concrete that was still on the side of there in one of the seams and is able to hold himself up just enough to swing his arms together and drag himself up out of the mess. And in the middle of it, so many times when we find ourselves on a bad day, because I'm going to say that's a bad day at work. When you're neck deep in poop, that's a bad day at work. And if that's not a bad day at your work, I don't want your job. And that's a bad day. And in the middle of your bad day, sometimes the last thing in the world you want to do 
is try to find something, try to look for something in the middle of the bad. But I'm telling you that we need to find something to stand on. We need to find something solid. And so as we're looking at this for our foundation, in the middle of everything that's going on, God has provided us everything we need to be able to build, to be able to be solid, to be able to, to, to move forward. Let's look at what Paul wrote to the believers in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 2. Starting in verse 2, it says, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Christ is, is God revealed. It's the mystery revealed. And in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all of those treasures. And that is why we spend so much time here at Celebration Church talking about Jesus. We spend so much time. The Bible's a rich, thick book. We could spend time talking about all sorts of things, and there's all sorts of other stories. But I tell you what, if it's not going to help us to directly understand Jesus in a deeper way, then I'm telling you, we're not, not going to get anything fully rich unless it's connected to Christ. That is where the fullness of the treasures of wisdom and understanding are. He goes on in later in chapter 2, in verse 16, it says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or in regards to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come, and the reality, however, is found in Christ. All of those things that he just referenced, they had to do with the, with the Jewish system of worship. The things you could eat, the things you couldn't eat. The, the, fe the festival days, all of those, Passover and all of those different things. He says, don't let anybody get all in your business over those things. He's talking to people who are Gentiles. He's like, don't let anybody give you a hard time about those things or tell you what you need to be doing things. You need to be leaning in to Jesus. All those things were a shadow. They gave us a silhouette. They, they let us kind of match up and see when Jesus showed up, but they were by no means the reality. They were by no means the fullness. The fullness, it's found in Christ. And so since we understand what the fullness is, the shadow has done its part, and we now need to look at the fullness. We need to see what's found in Christ. And this understanding it becomes a foundation for truth. Understanding the author of truth, truth personified, helps us to be able to connect with all truth. And Hebrews 12, 2 reminds us of this. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who started this, and he is the one who is going to carry it forward to completion. He's the one that's going to carry it all the way forward. And if we're going to be able to grow and we're going to be able to, to move forward and have a foundation in our lives in Christ, our foundations, all of these things are built for us to be able to deal with our worst day. You go over and they build skyscrapers and they understand that they don't factor in what the foundation is going to be for a breezy day. For a little 10 mile an hour. No, they factor in what's this going to be if whenever this building is going to be dealing with 50 mile per hour sustained winds with gusts to 80, 85 miles an hour. What kind of foundation do we need to, for this building to stand on its 
worst day. Even locally, as we are our local building codes, they're not designed to be able to just deal with the, what is necessary for just an everyday use. No, things are over-engineered. Why? Because sometimes an extra load is going to be put on there. Sometimes there's extra things that are there. So if this isn't our foundation, isn't going to be able to carry us through our hardest day, our worst day, then it's not the foundation we really need. And so what we're doing is we're going to dive into and we're going to look at how Jesus handled his hardest day. So we can understand some of the foundational pieces we need in our life so we can deal with our hardest days. Because you know what? Whether or not you're in a hard day right now, you've been in a hard week, a hard month, a hard year, maybe things have been rolling along pretty good. But in the future, I'm sorry to tell you, but some hard days are coming. They'll come. And we need to be able to have a solid foundation to be able to deal with this. And as we're going to look at Jesus during the crucifixion and how he handled the crucifixion. And we'll be able to look at his words and what he said and how he responded. And as we're about to look at Luke chapter 23, we see that forgive, forgive everyone who is trying to ruin your life. I know sometimes it feels like there are people who are trying to ruin our life, but sometimes there are people who literally have a personal vendetta people who literally attack you, people who literally refuse to say anything positive about you, people who literally come at you. Those things exist. Those, some of you are dealing with some of that stuff right now, but we all have an enemy who hates our guts, who doesn't want us to live in our destiny, who doesn't want, even if you can't put a name and say, okay, well, this person would love to see me fail. Some of you have those people in your lives, and I'm sorry, but we all have. We all have an enemy of our souls who wants to come at us, and he wants to steal and to kill and to destroy, and, and will often do that through people. And so as we are working with one another and we're dealing with one another, we have to forgive everyone who is involved in attack on our lives. Forgiveness has to become the baseline when we get wrapped up in unforgiveness, man, it, it begins to unwind so many different things in our lives. And, and so many times we feel like we need to deal with some other things and I'll finally get to a good place of being able to forgive. No, forgiveness needs to be agenda item one. It needs to be frontline agenda item one because if we don't deal with forgiveness right off the bat, we begin to put it off and say, I'll deal with this and I'll deal with this and maybe at some point I'll feel like forgiving. Rarely do we feel like forgiving forgiveness when forgiveness is actually going to work its best work. Rarely do we. We're usually mad. We're usually frustrated. We're usually hurt. All of those different things. And Jesus was in the middle of being crucified when he said this. Luke 23, 34. Says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They would have argued with Jesus and said, we know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. The religious leaders would have said, we are making sure a heretic's mouth is shut. You have, you have dangerous teaching for the people of Israel, and we'll make sure you're silenced. They, were, they would be convinced that they knew exactly what they were doing. 
the political power, the Roman power, Pontius Pilate, and all of those folks would be convinced that they knew exactly what they were doing. That he's like, my job as governor and, and to be able to oversee this space in, in, on behalf of Caesars to make sure that some local king doesn't rise up. I was there when they shouted, Hosanna. I heard it from my room. I heard it rattle the, the, the things hanging on the castle walls. I understood what was happening here. I didn't want to kill him. I tried to let, let him go. But these people are saying, nope, 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 we, we want a king, we want a king. And these other people are saying, nope, we want no king but Caesar, and I have no choice. But I'm doing this. I have to kill Jesus. They'd have said they understood it. They'd have thought they understood it. The, the Roman guard with, with this nail and the spike would have said, buddy, this isn't personal. This is what I'm paid to do. We wasn't accidentally putting a nail in Jesus' palm. We wasn't accidentally putting a nail in Jesus' feet. They all said, I've got my role. I have my reasons. They all thought they knew what they were doing. But Jesus saw on a different plane. Jesus understood on a different level and said that there is a plan. There is something at work. There is this, the, the work of the enemy who thinks he's going to win, but he's actually setting it up for his greatest failure ever. And Father, Lord, forgive them because they're pawns and they don't even know what they're doing. There's some people in your life that have attacked you, been hateful towards you, and they would say they know exactly what they're doing. But the truth is they're pawns in the hands of the enemy to try to get you off track, to make you step back from what God has called you to, to derail to create division in your home, division in your workplace, division in different places. And your response, your spiritual response on those hard days is to forgive, to invite that kind of forgiveness because when we invite God's forgiveness into that space, we're allowing him to now be the one who's in control of that space. As soon as we keep our hands on it and we want to be in control of it, well, then we can do with it as much as we can do with it. But when we forgive and we say, God, I'm letting you handle this, we now let God have that space. We now let God be able to be in control in that area. Crucifixion was a death not by bleeding out. Crucifixion was a brutal, long, slow, agonizing death, and this ultimately was a death of suffocation. There was a reason that there on the, the day before the Sabbath that they go to break the legs. They went to break the legs so that they couldn't push themselves up against that agonizing nail in their foot to catch one more breath, to get one more breath and be able to do it. They break their legs and then they can't breathe and they die of suffocation. As Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them. He is having to push against the nail driven in his feet. It is agonizing, but it's hard. It's painful to say, I forgive. Yeah, sometimes it is. It's painful for Jesus. It's physically painful. He had to push himself up against that nail be able to get, allow the, the air to go past his vocal cords and utter the words. In fact, every word he speaks from the cross is very purposeful and very intentional, and it's in agony with every word he speaks. 
The next place we see is that to be able to get through your hardest day is you've got to be willing to help others who are experiencing your same struggle. We see here in Luke chapter 23, verse 39 through 43, it says, uh, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. And the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. He brought hope. In the middle of the crucifixion, he brought hope to another guy experiencing the exact same thing. Jesus, but very human. No one would have blamed Jesus. He's like, man, I've got my own problems. I've got my own issues. I'm sitting here dealing with the sin of the world. In fact, I'm dealing with your sin. And I'm, I'm sitting here. Nope, Jesus didn't respond. And he gives him hope. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Folks, out of this guy's own mouth, he was a, he was a criminal being executed for his crimes. That He says, I, I deserve this. I deserve this. The Lord I want to be with you. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. Did this guy get to be be baptized? Did this guy get to serve and proclaim his testimony to the world, be able to to serve in the local church, become a a preacher? Did this guy do anything for the kingdom? Did he do any work at all? No. He just believed that Jesus was the Messiah and believed that was it. The first guy to bust heaven's doors was an an executed criminal that just believed. I love it. If he gets in, folks, well, you and I believe we're in. I'm telling you, man, this is just, it's exciting. Yes. As Jesus is sitting there telling this man, um, today you're going to be with me in paradise, giving him hope in the middle of a hopeless situation. Jesus is also looking down and sees his mom watching him die. The mom who said, uh, you know, be it unto me according to your word. The mom who dealt with the ridicule of that immaculate conception in everybody's minds. The one who showed up pregnant and had some angel talk to her and the Holy Spirit made her pregnant, all of the chatter and all of the stuff her whole life in a hyper-religious community. The one who, who watched Jesus, promoted him, pushed him into his first miracle of turning the water into wine and she's watching her son die. Jesus still, in the middle of all of that, still gave care to someone who was going through the same thing he was going through. But then we also see that we need to make sure that we take care of those who are closest to you because as he sees his mom there, look in John chapter 19, it says, when Jesus saw his mother there, 
And the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his home. He made sure, even in the middle of his pain, he made sure to take care of those that were in his care, to make sure and care for those. See, sometimes on our hardest days, we can... We can grit our teeth and we can give a smile to strangers and we can be nice to the barista and, and we can try to hold it together with our coworkers and then we get home and then everything just falls apart and we've given, uh, we've given our best to somebody else and then all of a sudden we're now hard on our spouse and we're hard on the kids and, and we're hard on the people who are, who are closest to us. Instead of on our hardest day being able to sit there and make sure they're cared for. It's not that we're to just, just be the martyr in the middle of this. But to make sure that we don't let our pain cause deeper pain. Jesus in the middle of pain and making sure there was less pain for his mom. Less pain on the backside of that thing. Giving John something to do. I guarantee John was excited to be able to care for Jesus' mother. It's like, here is my Lord being crucified, but he trusts me enough to be able to care for his own mom. There was this place of connection that took place. And, and uh, Paul writes it to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5 8. says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, he is denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. This is connected to life-giving faith of making sure that the people in our household are cared for. One of the things that the hardest days we deal with will attack the deepest is unity in our home, harmony in our home. Let's not give the, the enemy a foothold. Let's understand that on our hardest days, we can still serve. There's still a grace to be able to do it, to be able to care for the people that are under our care. And in that, we see that Jesus leaned on what God's word has already said about the struggle. Lean on God's word. That's why we spend time here. Again, maybe you're not in the middle of a hard day, but guess what? Hard days are coming. And we seal this stuff up for ourselves because we know that's coming and we find out what God's word says on the front side so we can stand on it when we find ourselves knee, knee deep, neck deep in somebody else's mess. We're able to stand on it. We see in Matthew chapter 12. Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none of it will be given except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He understood that this was a, this was a type and shadow. This was a prophetic thing about him that he was going to die, that he was going to be buried but just like Jonah didn't stay in the fish, Jesus would not stay in the tomb. Jesus stood on what the scriptures had already said. He was not near as, as vague and cryptic with it when he talked to his disciples in Mark chapter 9. says, and they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. And he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. 
Jesus, in the middle of his hardest day, knew that God was going to take care of him in his hardest day. Knew what was already written. Knew that it was already a good outcome. Knew that it was not going to end in defeat, but it was going to end in victory. And he stood on that the whole time. This is why it is vital for you and I to know what God has said about, to find our life in Christ, to dig into those treasures hidden in Christ and be able to know those things and to be able to live our lives standing on those things. But in the middle of that, of being able to, to help others who are dealing with their own struggle, of caring for those in our needs, standing on God's word, we still need to make sure that we're human enough to acknowledge your need. This, all of these things aren't about just cowboying up and handling on in your own, not acknowledging that you need. It's, it's to make sure you're not dumping on someone else and being a pain on someone else, being able to throw your pain into someone else's lap. No, this is a place of understanding, hey, I need some help. I need someone to come along. And one of the most beautiful moments we see here, John chapter 19, just Jesus' humanness is there. It says, later knowing that all was completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Thirsty. He said, I'm thirsty. You and I know what that is like to be able to be thirst. And he, I mean, his position up on the cross, he could do nothing about his own thirst. And he let those that were near to him know that he was thirsty. Sadly, his openness, sadly, his vulnerability, it ended up being a point of mockery. But I love that Jesus showed us to be able to be human, even if, still acknowledge our need, even if people take advantage, people use it to, the, to their own mockery because we see what they do. It says, and in, in that a, a jar of wine vinegar was there, and that's not going to quench anybody's thirst. Spits it out. And there was soaked it on a, soaked a sponge with it, and a sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. Like, oh, you're thirsty here. Have some of this. So many times we feel like our moments of humanity is only a moment of being taken advantage of, but Jesus showed us to stay in a place of acknowledging our need. Stay in a place of acknowledging. Psalm twenty-two, fifteen says, my mouth is dried up like a pot's herd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth and you lay me in the dust of death. We also see Jesus on his hardest day, that he was assured that there is a purpose and an end. He stood on the truth that this was, this was going somewhere, this had consequences, this had weight, and that it was completing something, that God is faithful to carry us forward in the middle of our hardest days. He is faithful, and Jesus declares in John 19, 30, it is finished. It's finished. Please know that on your hardest day, it's not going to last forever. I know it feels like COVID lasts forever. It's not going to last forever. I know it feels like some of your struggles personally are going to last forever. They're not going to last forever. Hang on to the truth that there's a purpose and an end. Romans 8, 28 reminds us of this, that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. No matter what gets thrown, God is such a master craftsman 
that no matter what us or life or the enemy throws at us, if we will bring it to him, he can craft it and make something beautiful come out of it. Sometimes some, if we'll give God our worst days, he can make, make some of the best gifts come out of our worst days. He can rework things so beautifully. And a lot of people think that Jesus saying it is finished was the last thing he said on the cross, and it's not. It's not. It was fi- he said it was finished and his work was done. He had taken care of his earthly assignment. He had, he had done it, but that did not end his need or his desire for God. That didn't end it. Didn't end his need for closeness because we don't need, we're not here to just have God for our hardest days. We're here to, for, to have a relationship with God because of a relationship with God. Because he loves us and we love him. And, and finally, give yourself fully to God. We see here that the last thing Jesus says is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Just want to be held by you. It was completed. It was in. It was finished. It's like, I just, I just want to be held by you. And we need to understand that sometimes in the middle of our hard days, that's hard to say. But we don't need to have a hard day just to say, God, I want to be closer to you. We can grow and closer to God when the work is done. We can go through the work and when it's finished. It's all he wants to invite us into his presence in all ways. Our bottom line today is this, is to find your foundation in Jesus. He is at work. He loves you and has given himself up for you. See, when we are found in him, that's where we find life. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.